Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Rather than stopping and pausing and say, wow, today I got into the Word, and I only got through five verses, and the Lord spoke to me in those five verses. You see, the Word of God, you need to pause. You need to consider the journey that you're in, and that's one of the reasons why as we go verse by verse through the books of the Bible, and when we're in that mode, I don't have any set time that we're going to get through those books. And some folks say, well, how long are you going to be in 1 Timothy? And I said, I have absolutely no idea. You know, the Lord could come before we finish, and that would be totally fine with me. Due to the busy nature of our everyday lives, we can easily treat our daily devotions as more of a checklist item on our schedule. As many of us have experienced, it doesn't always feel like we're getting the growth and benefits that the Word has to offer. In today's message, Pastor David reflects on the importance of taking in God's Word at a pace that offers growth and learning. In our study, we learn how God's Word is much more beneficial when we approach it methodically and thoughtfully. Now here's Pastor David with part one of today's message, Christ Has Enabled Me. bit of true confession for you this morning. Some of you may know this about me. Some of you may not know this about me. But for the most part, uh, I'm uh, what's called a destination guy, okay? Some people are journey people. I'm kind of a destination guy. That's why I like flying. I just get there. And I know like when our kids lived over in California, we used to drive that because it was cheaper to drive over there But that was like six hours through the desert, and it's like we saw it so many times. Just get me there, and I'm fine with that. Now, I know, I know, I know, the whole thing. Hey, you need to slow down. You need to smell the roses. You need to enjoy the journey. And there are times that I do that. If if we just go out for a drive, not going any place in particular, I like to just drive around and look and observe everything that's going on. But if there's a destination, I just want to get there. And that's probably one of the reasons why I have a bit of a lead foot and uh, reason why the Lord does not give me a hot and a racy car because I would probably be in more trouble than I should be more often than I should be. Now, when we come to looking at the Word of God, though, you really need to slow down. And that's one of the reasons I I have no problem. We went three years in the book of Luke. I understand that. But you can also understand on our Wednesday night thing, trying to get through the Bible in a year. Okay, I've got this destination. I I want to go there, but I do want to see where we're going along the way. I don't want to miss anything. Because one of the problems that too often we have in our own personal study of the Word, 
we take, hey, I've got my five chapters today. I'm going to read, boom, check that off my list, and I'm going on. I'm going on. Rather than stopping and pausing and say, wow, today I got into the Word, and I only got through five verses, and the Lord spoke to me in those five verses. You see, the Word of God, you need to pause. You need to consider the journey that you're in. And that's one of the reasons why as we go verse by verse through the books of the Bible, and when we're in that mode, I don't have any set time that we're going to get through those books. And some folks say, well, how long are you going to be in First Timothy? And I said, I have absolutely no idea. You know, the Lord could come before we finish, and that would be totally fine with me. <laughs> He could come today. That would be totally fine with me. My wife and I will see each other in heaven. We'll wave. And, uh, never mind. I'll get into a whole, that, a whole other doctrine there. But, uh, so I say all that to let you know we're, we're not too far in the book of Timothy. If you've missed a couple of weeks, we are in the book of First Timothy. We're still in the first chapter of First Timothy. We're still in the first few verses of First Timothy. And we've been here for three weeks. And I understand that. But If you'll join with me, I am going to go ahead and begin, actually at the beginning again, and read through to put everything into the context. Now, we're not going to go back through and study everything. If you want to get that, you can get the uh, go online and get it or download it or whatever way that you want to get it. But this morning, if you would, please join me in 1 Timothy chapter 1 as we read through what Paul writes to young Timothy. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope, to Timothy, a true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. I urged you, Timothy, when I, when I went into Macedonia to remain in Ephesus, that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine, nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which cause disputes rather than godly edification, which is in faith. Now, last week we spent quite a bit of time talking about the the, the problem with these false doctrines that right there in the first century, right there 30 years after the death of Christ, right there just a few years after the Apostle Paul had been teaching in the, the city of Ephesus, beginning that church, spent two years there. And now already, just in a short period of time, they're off on these false doctrines. We spent quite a bit of time looking at that and how the enemy was trying to, again, supplant his lie in place of the truth. And in the midst of that, the damage that it would cause within the church. We spoke last week also about what is called these new scholarly discoveries that try to, again, they supersede the input of the scholars of the past, of the theologians of the past, of the early church fathers, and they start bringing doubt upon the message of the Word of God. So many of these new discoveries or new quote-unquote understandings of the Word of God draw men actually into the same kind of heresies that were being drawn into the church in the early in the first century. That's why, again, the church had to battle in the first century, and now it battles in the 21st century, that some would teach no other doctrine than the pure word of God. We don't need another testament. 
This is the word of God, and we need to stand firm and fast on that. And Paul continued on for Timothy. He says, charge some that they don't give heed to fables and endless genealogies which cause disputes rather than godly edification which is in faith. In the early church, you need to understand, and perhaps you do, perhaps you realize this, but in the early church, the believers, by and large, the vast amount of believers, by and large, first came from Judaism. They were Jewish converts that came to realize that Jesus Christ was the long-promised Messiah of Israel. And so they became converts to Christianity, recognizing Christ as the Messiah. Some of them, though, were also would be what we call proselytes. They were pagans or Gentiles before they became Jews. And then from Judaism, they came to know Christ. And so through that whole process. And then there were others in the early church. And, and again, as the years went by, it was more and more of this last group that joined the church. They, they were just flat out pagans. They had no knowledge of the one true God. They had no knowledge or understanding of the, the, the writings of the prophets or Moses. They had no understanding of what the law is. They, they were pagans, but they came to an understanding of Jesus Christ as their Savior and as their Lord. Now, when that happened, they moved from a culture that had a multitude of gods. They had gods for everything. So now these pagans are now in the church, even here in Ephesus. And particularly if you go back and you look in the book of Acts of all the issues there in the city of Ephesus and the great goddess Diana and all the riots that took place when, when again, Christ was preached and many were converted from that paganism to Christ and, and all of that. So you see all of those moving into the church with this newfound faith in Jesus Christ. Now, as Paul warns Timothy, he says, tell them to give no heed to fables. I believe that what Paul is probably speaking, very possibly speaking about, is the attempt of perhaps some of these pagan converts to kind of bring into Christianity a little bit of the old life, the old understanding. Yes, we believe in Jesus, but we also believe that there might be something in what we also had been raised in, what we knew what was part of our life. As a pagan, they followed these fables, this mythos that, that as such, with all of their multitude of gods, they had a a variety of gods for all the differing issues in life, whether it be fertility for their family or a great harvest for their crops, for wealth, for whatever it might be, just an abundance of these different gods. And for some, it was difficult to change from calling upon a multitude of gods. Suddenly there is one God, and he's the almighty God, and he covers everything. And that was a tough concept for many of them to really hold on to, even though that one God that they now worship, the one that they now place their faith in, was the one, the true, the living, the all-powerful God of all creation. Why would you want to step back down into something that would be so much less than what the Lord Jesus Christ is? 
Why would you want to step away into something that is a, a partial God when you've been shown and made aware of the great Jehovah, the great I am? It just wouldn't make any sense. It wouldn't make any sense unless this new God that you're following is responding to your prayers a little slower than what you wanted. You know, I've been praying for this thing for days and days. This new God, Jehovah, he hasn't answered. But this multitude of other gods, there's this one God that, man, he specializes just in what I need. Maybe I also need to pray to him. Maybe I can get the answer quicker. Maybe one of the reasons you would step away from the one true God and try and drag in some of these other gods, if the one true God answered your prayer in a way that you didn't like. <laughs> I, was, I was praying for this, but this new God that I now worship, he gave me this instead. Maybe I need to go back to my old God and, and see if I can get, a, get another answer. Like, door, is there a door number two that I can pick? And move on into that. Maybe one of the reasons that they might pull away from Jehovah, the almighty God, is because this one true God that they're now following is causing way too much conflict within their family. Because you see, all my family is still pagans. They still worship all this multitude of other gods. And I'm the odd man out now because I'm worshiping the one true God. And Man, it gets so uncomfortable when we go to family gatherings or when we come together because they've got all these other little idols and when we come together, man, they, they want to pray to these other idols and they, I just feel so out of it with the rest of my family. It's so uncomfortable that maybe perhaps it would make sense to an individual, particularly if an individual is not walking in the power of the Spirit. Perhaps they've, they've stepped down in their fervor for the Lord. They're walking in the flesh. Maybe then it would make sense for them to fall back to these false gods, to the fables that they once believed in, hoping that there they would find the answer that they want rather than the answer that that one true God wants to give them. Rather than wholly surrendering to the will and to the plan of the one true and almighty God. No, I have my request and I've made my request and he's not answering my request my way. I'm going to back down and go check out what I used to do, what I used to believe in. Don't be too surprised by that statement. Because you see, even today, many of those who profess Jesus Christ as their Lord and as their Savior, they continue to fall back into the old ways. They continue to fall back into their old lifestyle pre-Christ. I think I was happier before I came to Christ because since I came to Christ, man, there's been all of this turmoil in my life. Since I came to Christ and I'm praying that Christ would do this or that in my life and he's not doing this or that. As a matter of fact, he's doing this and that and totally different than what I wanted. They told me that when I came to Christ, it would be a, a, a great rose garden that, again, my, my, all my troubles would be gone away. My, my, my spouse would be uh, better looking. My kids would be better behaved. I'd get a raise in my job. I'd, man, life would be wonderful if I would just come to Christ. That's not really what happened. As a matter of fact, my kids are in absolute rebellion. And it's a struggle to stay 
right and pure and clean. Many times, the multitude of our gods that we serve today become more and more attractive. And you might say, oh, pastor, we don't serve a multitude of gods today. I dare to differ with you. Because there is the God of comfort. There's the God of wealth. There's the God of ego. There's a God of worldly success. There's the God of the flesh and all of its desires. There's a God of popularity and the accolades of man. And you see, sometimes even as believers, we might fall prey to that whisperings of the enemy or the whisperings of the flesh. Say, maybe it was better back there. Maybe you can find more joy and fulfillment back there. Oh, you've got Christ, but maybe I can dabble a little bit here and bring that God into my Christianity. You see, that's what was going on in the church of Ephesus. And beloved, unfortunately, I believe that that's what's going on within the church today. We still hold on to a multitude of gods of the past and try and serve those gods as well as the one true God. Let me give you a newsflash real quick. Maybe no one's ever explained it to you this way before. So pay real close attention. If someone told you that if you come to Christ, it will be a rose garden, they didn't explain that in the midst of that rose garden, there's a lot of thorns and a whole lot of manure you got to get through to get to the roses. But you know what? That's just the process of life. Oh, the promises of God, they are eternal. I understand that. But they are also right now, ever-present right now. But it doesn't mean that everything is going to go smooth in your life because if that's what it means, then let's take the book of Acts out of our Bibles, shred it up, and throw it away. Let's take Hebrews chapter 11 and the roll call of the faithful, and where so many, they were imprisoned and and thrown to wild animals, and they were torn apart because of their faith in God. Let's just rip that out of our Bibles, because you see, we're forming a new theology. And unfortunately, that new theology is even being preached within certain churches today. And I dare say that those that fall prey to that kind of a theology, that when the bumps And when the pressures and when the heartache and the struggles come in this life, then their faith wavers. They they get shooken up. Rather than understanding, no, our foundation is in Christ. And when the storms come, and beloved, they do come. Stay in our foundation in Christ and we will make it through the storm. The storm will not overwhelm you. The fires will not devour you. That's the promise of God. But it does not say that there will not be fires or there will not be storms. As a matter of fact, the Word of God promises that in this world, what church? You'll have many tribulations. But Jesus says, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Timothy, don't let them continue on or take heed to these fables. And he speaks about these genealogies, these endless genealogies. Now, you need to understand when, when Paul is talking about uh, that they would not pay heed to these endless genealogies, he's not talking about Ancestry.com, okay? That's, that's not the issue that he's dealing with here. He has no problem with you trying to figure out if you've got Irish blood in you someplace. You know, it just does, that's not what he's talking about. 
I believe that what he's dealing about specifically here is very possibly the, the efforts of some of those who were truly Jewish converts, not Gentile proselytes who became Jews and then Christians, but true Jewish converts, that again, they would place themselves above those who either came late into Judaism, they were proselytes, they were pagans before they became Jews, or they never were Jews, they were just Gentiles that came to Christ. And so these that were pure Jews who came to Christ, suddenly it's, you know, Jesus is the Messiah of Israel. And your bloodline really isn't of Israel, is it? You're like something else. You come from a heathen background, don't you? I come from a Jewish background. As a matter of fact, I can look back through my, through my birth line and, and right to the, the, the beginning of the 12 sons of Jacob, and I know right where my bloodline goes and where it's come from. Do you know where your bloodline is? And suddenly there is this ego, this one-upsmanship, there's this pride and this arrogance that was moving through the church at that time. They could trace their bloodline, and that gave them these supposed bragging rights. And they carried this pride and this arrogance, that, that feeling of, of being above everyone else, feeling that they were somehow special above all the others within the church, special in God's eyes. That feeling of arrogance because you're a legitimate son of Abraham, not an illegitimate son or daughter. And yeah, those things can even happen today. One individual or group might feel that, you know, I, I grew up in the church, man. You know, my, my, my grandfather was a pastor. My dad was a pastor. Uh, two of my brothers are pastors. And, man, I, I've been in the church, like, since cradle roll. And, you know, I really know God. Oh, you're just kind of recently into the faith, aren't you? You bring with you a lot of baggage from the world, don't you? You probably carry a lot of that stuff in here with you, don't you? I, Maybe I shouldn't hang with you too much because, you know what, I've been pure from my birth and, uh, you know, I, I've been right there. I've been with it and I don't have all the baggage that you carry with you. And again, it, it kind of, they, they had that feeling that it would give them a step up in the kingdom that would place them in some kind of a status of a favored son or a daughter without continually realizing how desperately each one of us need the Savior. doesn't matter who you're grandfather or who your father is. It's where you're at in Christ, and every one of us come to level ground at the cross. You see, there's not a one of us, not a one of us, regardless of the call, regardless of the background, regardless of the gifting, regardless of the talent, whatever it is, there's not a one of us that can stand above any of the others at all. Because in Christ, we were all desperately, desperately lost. And outside of our coming to faith in him, surrendering our lives, laying down our lives before him, we would have had an eternity in hell forever and ever and ever. Regardless of who my daddy is or my grandfather, regardless of my past places of residence, regardless of anything else in my life, until I come to that point. Open our hearts, change us from within, 
are so glad you joined us today for Pastor David's study in the book of 1 Timothy. This book is filled with valuable instruction for church leadership, yet holds plenty of instruction for Christians in general. We can all be leaders in our own sphere of influence, and studying 1 Timothy will give us great insight into God's values in this area. We hope you've been encouraged by today's message on the open word. If you'd like to hear more teachings from this program, Pastor David's here to tell you how. Hey, thanks, Chris. You know, the Open Word has an archive of previous messages ready to be listened to, downloaded, or shared. Just go to theopenword.com. Simply click on the teachings link at the top of the page. You can also take the Open Word with you as you go by subscribing to our podcasts. This can be done through our website or by searching for The Open Word on iTunes. By subscribing, you'll have sound biblical teaching with you anytime, anywhere. Thanks, Pastor David. While you're at our website, be sure to click on About for information about the ministry of The Open Word and more about Pastor David. There's also a link to Pastor David's blog, another great resource that looks deeper into what the Bible is teaching us. That website, once again, is theopenword.com. That's all we have time for here today on The Open Word. Join us next time as Pastor David continues teaching verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the book of 1 Timothy, right here on The Open Word. Make us more.